Welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Ecklebarger. Let's laugh along today with The Bob Hope Show. This is episode number 509, which originally aired on November 20th, 1951. Here now is Bob Hope with his special guests, George Raft and Tony Arden. What you want is a Coke. Chesterfield, Hope, Stanton, and Crosby, too. Como and Godfrey follow through. Martin and Lewis, they all tell you. Bamba for Chesterfield. Bamba for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfield. Do it! Today! Chesterfields present the Bob Hope Show. Transcribed with Les Brown and his band of renown and yours truly, High Aberback. Our special guest, Jerry Colonna. Tony Arden, George Rav, and here he is, Bob Hope. Thank you. Well, here I am in Hollywood for Chesterfields in this wonderful California weather. I just returned from the east and I escaped all that freezing weather. We don't have that trouble out here. Everyone in Hollywood goes around in shorts and bathing suits. That's only natural when you have hot fog. <laughs> now, the weather has been a little changeable here. My brother came out here last week for the Four Seasons and left the same day. Oh, I worked at Yes, sir, that's the only place in the world where you can get suntan goose pimples. <laughs> it was so cold here this morning, 27 people tried to rent Monty Woolley's beard. So cold, the Hollywood glamour girls are putting on sweaters just to keep warm. But it's really been freezing back east, and it snowed pretty hard in the nation's capital, too. There's more shoveling in Washington this week than usual. <laughs> it was so cold in the White House, President Truman ran out of Republicans and had to use logs in the fire. <laughs> and my brother complained about having to use chains on his wheels for driving. I don't know why he's complaining. He used to have to wear chains on his ankles for walking. <laughs> When I lived back there, I used to know how to protect myself against those eastern winters I'd put on five undershirts, three sweaters, four pairs of socks, two pairs of pants, an overcoat, a raincoat, two mufflers, a pair of heavy boots, and two pairs of galoshes Worked fine By the time I got outside, it was summer again <laughs> I just got back from the east just in time to do my Thanksgiving shopping You know, the price is high I asked the butcher what kind of turkey can I get for five dollars, and he handed me an egg in a nest. <laughs> so I said to the butcher, what can I get for ten dollars? He said, when I'm through work, you can take my apron home and boil it. <laughs> I know one butcher who keeps his meat in the cash register and his money in the refrigerator. I don't mind a butcher making money, but when he starts swinging a gold watch in the end of a chain of weenies, that's too much. 
One woman got so mad, she bit the butcher and he charged her for it. And the animals are proud of the high prices. No fooling. The price of eggs went down two cents last week, and the chickens started buying them back. <laughs> I hope I had better luck with my turkey this year than I did last Thanksgiving. I thought the turkey leg I was chewing was pretty tough, then I found out it was the cane he walked in with. <laughs> All my relatives will be over for Thanksgiving dinner. I know they will. They're circling over the house now. Last year, between the first and second courses, my mother said, if you come to some lumps in the mashed potatoes, don't eat them. Two of the children are missing. <laughs> of course, we had the full treatment, turkey and cranberries. We don't grow cranberries out here on the coast. We just put grapes in front of a television set until they get bloodshot. <laughs> and television... But television has made great strides. It's advancing so fast, a lot of people can't keep up with the payments. And I like television. <laughs> I like television. The movies they show are so old. I saw a British movie the other night that was so old, England was lending money to America. <laughs> Folks, Next time you buy cigarettes, remember these two things. Over 1,500 prominent tobacco growers say Chesterfield's delightful aroma tells you Chesterfield's smell milder and smoke milder. And one of the most famous industrial research organizations in the world reports, and I quote, of the leading brands smoked and examined, Chesterfield is the only cigarette in which members of the taste panel found no unpleasant aftertaste. Smokers everywhere are finding that Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste is what they want. What you want in a cigarette, you'll find in Chesterfield, you bet. They're milder with a better taste than no one pleasant aftertaste. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Milder, 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 milder Chesterfield. That's right! Ladies and gentlemen, like most of us, Bob Hope is essentially a creature of habit. Every morning at 7.30, his alarm goes off. Then Bob hops out of bed and races for the shower. I always forget to open the door. Then he takes a refreshing ice-cold shower. <laughs> Then he takes a shave and brushes his tooth. Hi, that's teeth. And then Bob does several minutes of strenuous setting up exercises. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now the other finger. <laughs> and now Bob is ready for breakfast. So he goes to the kitchen and squeezes himself some juice. Ah, uh, nothing like a tall glass of Chesterfield juice. <laughs> and now Bob is ready to face the day. He throws open his windows and... Gee, what a beautiful morning. Trees look so nice and the flowers and all those little birds singing. Be my love for no one else can end this yarning. <laughs> those birds have been up to Lanza's house again. 
But lately, Bob's routine has been disrupted. He's having his house remodeled, and his whole life is topsy-turvy. That's right, Hi. Look at this place. Building materials all over. This morning at breakfast, there was cement in my oatmeal. Cement in your oatmeal? Yeah, and my dentist is going to be sore. Why? I saved $50 on fillings. <laughs> well, gee, Bob, shouldn't the work on the house be finished by now? Sure, but I got this screwy contract, and he's always doing something crazy. Like yesterday, he found out that Jane Russell comes over here sometime. So? Spent the whole morning putting bear traps in the lawn. <laughs> I guess these things take time, Bob. Just be patient. Oh, come in. Mr. Holt, do you remember me? Oh, yes. General Harkings from the Pentagon. You were here last week. That's right, and the Army flew me out again to talk to you. Well, aren't you getting a little sick of all that flying? Yes, the altitude bothers me. It does? Mm Mm-hmm. I even get air sick when I eat a tall stalk of Mm. celery. Uh, Mr. Holt, this is the second week you haven't done your show at an army camp, and we'd like to know why. Well, I told you last week my house is being remodeled, and it's not finished yet. Oh, well, I understand that. Uh, You know, uh, we're building an underground pentagon, 200 feet under the surface of the earth. It gets very confusing. It does, General? Yes, all week I've been saluting gophers. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry you have to make these trips out here, General Harkins. Well, I don't mind it in a way. Did a lot of sightseeing today. Took some pictures of movie stars. Sounds like fun. Yes, but I had a nasty accident. What happened? Frank Sinatra smashed my camera. Oh. (laughs) He's a rough kid. He can lick his weight in pipe cleaners. You know, General, I meant to tell you last week, I'm very flattered at a visit from a man of your rank. Well, you're very kind, Mr. Hope. I inquired about you, and I found out that you've been in the Army 30 years, you commanded three divisions in the First World War, and in World War II, you were in charge of all tank operations. True. And you've been decorated for bravery no less than four times. Uh, By the way, what's your job at the Pentagon? I run an elevator. Well, I just thought I'd be getting back to Washington, Mr. Hope. Oh, well, how are things back there, General? Well, it's winter along the Potomac now. The trees look different, and all the cherry blossoms are gone. Mm-hmm. What's on the trees? Taft buttons. <laughs> well, Mr. Hope, uh, what shall I tell them back at the Pentagon about your doing a show at an army base? Oh, well, tell them I'll do one in about ten days. Ten days? Well, that'll give me just enough time. Enough time for what? To dessert. Good day, Mr. Hope. <laughs> He's an awfully nice fellow, that General Harkins, but every time he shows up, I get scared. I think I'm drafted. (laughs) Don't be silly, Bob. They don't draft nurses. (laughs) Hi, you goof. Now, look at... Are you, uh... You smoking your Chesterfield sideways? You know, you don't... Come in. Well, Tony Arden, ladies... Hello, Tony. Say, it's good to see... Hey, you're limping. What's the matter? Oh, I got caught in a bear trap. (laughs) I gotta have a talk with that contractor. You know, Tony, we haven't seen each other in quite a while. No, the last time was on the set over at Paramount. You were finishing My Favorite Spy. Oh, yes, My Favorite Spy. A Paramount picture starring Hedy Lamarr and Bob Hope with a brilliant supporting cast. Be sure to see this gripping story. It has everything. Love, drama, action, suspense, comedy, thrills. Good, clean entertainment for the whole family. Look for it at your neighborhood movie house. Uh, we're a little late, so good night, folks. (laughs) 
Oh, where were we? Uh, I saw you over at Paramount. You were shooting a love scene with Hedy Lamar. Oh, yes, that was the day I had my lips insured. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a scene. Hetty looking so ravishing in a white sequin gown, and you making violent love to her. I certainly envied Hetty. Well, naturally. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've always wanted a white sequin gown. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think I ought to rehearse my number for your radio show tonight? Oh, yes, Tony. Let's find the band. They're in one of these rooms here. Gee, this place is going to be beautiful when you're finished. Oh, I hope so. You like my new television set over there at the Barney Dean, you know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's very nice. I was over at Bing's house recently. He has one just like it. Oh. Except that uh, it has a window shade on the front of it. Well, why would he want a television set with a window shade? Well, uh, you're on once a month, aren't you? <laughs> oh, that's all right. Oh, by the way, you're going to love working with Les Brown's boys. They practice all the time. Now, let's see. The band is in this room here. I raise you five bucks. I raise you five bucks. Okay, I call. What have you got? A full house? Eight kings and five jacks. <laughs> what? Let me see that hand. There it is. Okay, take the pot. I thought you were bluffing. <laughs> Boy, they play a rough game. When they get ready for a new hand, they leave the deck alone and cut each other. <laughs> well, I'll see you later, Tony. Okay, Bob. Boy, I've got to get this place finished. Where's that contractor? Maybe he's outside. There he is. Hey, what are you doing up there on the roof? Building a cellar. Naturally, Professor Colonna. <laughs> Professor, you're building the cellar on the roof. What's the idea? So they be have the blueprints upside down. <laughs> Colonna, you got to do something about finishing this house. Now, what's the trouble, Hope? You were late again this morning. Oh, it's tough getting to work. Every morning I drive my car 50 miles with no gas in the tank. <laughs> Professor, how can you drive a car without gas? No floorboards, long toenails. <laughs> Colonna, you got enough brains to be half a jackass. Maybe we ought to get together. <laughs> well, something's got to be done, I'll tell you that. Well, what are you complaining about, Hope? Yesterday I put all the walls in the house. Yeah, I meant to talk to you about that. What are those walls made of? Beaver boards. But how come they're so lumpy? Real beavers. <laughs> happy, aren't you? <laughs> Tell me, Professor, why are you so half-baked? Well, old man couldn't keep up the payments on the incubator. <laughs> well, I'm fed up. I've got to get myself a new contractor. Oh, you'd make a mistake, Hope. I'm not only a great builder, I'm also a great engineer. Well, if you're so great, maybe you can answer this little problem. In a house of this kind with 3,000 square feet containing 13 cubic feet in each room less than 1,500 and 14 cubic feet in each room more than 1,500, with 25% masonry, 18% aged lumber, and 57% steel, what would be the stress in cubic pound inches on the number 61 girder? Pardon? <laughs> I said, if you're such a great engineer, answer this problem. In a building of 3,000 square feet... I heard that. 
Uh, can't you give it to me an apple? <laughs> I'm going to fire you, Kelowna. The work is going too slowly. All this lumber piled up here. Turn account of my Caterpillar tractor. I've been stalled in one spot for three days. Your Caterpillar tractor's been stalled for three days? Yes. Think I should hitch up another Caterpillar? <laughs> Kelowna, you fool. A Caterpillar's a small insect. It can't possibly pull a big, heavy tractor. It can't? No. Lie to me, will you? <laughs> Here's Tony Arden, the beautiful and talented lady of song, who opens tonight at Charlie Morrison's in Macombo here in Hollywood. Sing, Tony. Chesterfield. Chesterfields are on the go from San Diego to Buffalo. Tell them why, Professor Colonna. Just let me add a microphone of mildness plus. So aftertaste. Mildness plus. So aftertaste. No one pleasant aftertaste in Chesterfield. 
That's right. Take a tip from Tony Arden. The way to buy them is buy the carton. I'm George E. Raft. I'm never without them. Try them. You'll be wild about them. Chesterfield. 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 Milder, 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 milder Chesterfield. That's right. So take a tip from all of us. Smoke the one with his great big plus. Mildness plus no aftertaste. No unpleasant aftertaste. Sound out for Chesterfield. Sound out for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. Say hi. Yes, Bob. Can I borrow your car? I want to get down to the supermarket and do some shopping. Kelowna's eating all the food in the icebox. Well, sure, Bob. Why don't you take your own car? Well, Kelowna lost that up, too. He took the motor out and put in a sewing machine. <laughs> a sewing machine? Yeah, I went for a ride last night and sewed a zipper into Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> well, go ahead, Bob. I'll keep an eye on things while you're gone. All right. Gee. Gee, the market's crowded today. Must be the Thanksgiving rush. Now, let's see. I've got my list here someplace. Excuse me, lady. You're blocking the aisle. Now, don't tell me. George Rapp! Hiya, Bob. I didn't recognize you in the apron. Just catching up on my shopping. What are you doing here, George? Sticking the place up? No, it's uh, my maid's day off, and I'm just out buying a couple of steaks and some champagne for a candlelight dinner. Candlelight dinner? Mm-hmm. That sounds real cozy. Who's coming over? The maid. <laughs> <laughs> Same old George. Still likes the girls, eh? What can I do? It's a habit I formed years ago. <laughs> Better than biting your nails. <laughs> I bet this maid's a blonde, huh, George? Yeah, somehow I lean towards blondes. So do I, but they keep pushing me back. <laughs> But this is something special, Bob. She's tall and willowy and has big blue eyes, a lovely complexion, and a gorgeous figure. Yeah, but what do you see in her? <laughs> George, your fans ought to see you now, shopping in a supermarket, then going home to cook dinner. Oh, I'm a good cook, Bob, and I'm not ashamed of it. I make a steak that melts in your mouth. Really? How do you fix your steak? Well, I just sprinkle it with garlic and butter and broil it in a hot fire. Heavens to Chef Milani, that's all wrong. <laughs> it is? Yes, you must use your garlic in subtle tones and have your butter and parsley fairly dance across your sinews. And then when you're all through, your steak should lie there like a sleeping beauty waiting for the ketchup to bring it to life. <laughs> Bob. Yes, George. Will you marry me? <laughs> I was just repeating a recipe I heard on television. Oh, walk down this aisle with me, Bob. I, I want to get some other things. Okay. Hey, George, look up there in that stack of canned peas. There's a picture of you endorsing them. Oh, yes, I remember that. Hey, and over there, you're on a card giving a testimonial for salad dressing. That's right. Oh, and there's a picture of you over there. Oh, really? Where? Oh, right there. Endorsing Lydia Pinkham's. <laughs> I got a year's supply free. <laughs> Say, you want to, uh... You want to get your steaks, George? I have to get some, too. Sure. There's the meat department. Hey, look at that sign. Lamb, $14 a pound. Liver, $16 a pound. Steak, $21 a pound. What does it say down there at the bottom, George? 
Time payments arranged. <laughs> you bring a cosigner? <laughs> That's the meat department, all right. Well, these butchers are really living, aren't they? Yeah, I know one who just got himself a set of rhinestone thumbs. <laughs> There's the butcher. Say, uh, we'd like to buy some meat. Do you have an appointment? <laughs> appointment? All we want is a couple of steaks. Well, how much did you want to spend? Oh, about a dollar. A dollar? A, a dollar for a steak? <laughs> Where have you been? What do you mean? Why don't you two get in your studs bear cap and drive home? <laughs> you got your Apris and Jackrabbit with you. <laughs> look, wise guy, what can we get for a dollar? Just look in the showcase and pick out one lamb chop with ragged panties. <laughs> Come on, George. I don't think this guy's got any meat. Oh, yes, I have. I've got a freezer full of it. Oh, yeah? Let's see. Just wait till I get this freezer door open. I raise you five bucks. <laughs> I raise you five bucks. Okay, I call. What have you got? Straight flush? That beats me. What have you got? Gin. <laughs> Come on, George, let's get out of here. Well, what's your hurry? Well, I've got to get home. My house is being remodeled, and I'm having a lot of trouble with my contractor. Really? Yeah, and I... Say, that gives me an idea. Maybe if you came over to the house and threw a scare into this guy, you know, do that gangster routine you do in pictures... Now, wait a minute. That's pictures. In real life, I don't get any... Oh, I don't do any rough stuff. I abhor violence in any form. That's true? Yeah, and anybody says different, I'll belt him in the kisser. <laughs> Well, come on and talk to him anyway. Okay. Oh, Professor Colonna, I want you to meet George Raft. I'm pleased to meet you, Mr. Rift. <laughs> That's Raft. What? Raft, Raft, Raft. Down, boy, or I'll give you a distemper shot. <laughs> See what I mean, George? This guy's a metal case. Tell you what, Bob, instead of getting rough, maybe I'll try some psychology on him. Psychology? I'll win his confidence by acting friendly and getting him to talk about himself. Hey, beaver lip. <laughs> Did you ring, sir? Now, Professor, I want to be your friend. Tell me, do you ever hear strange voices in your head? Yes, frequently. What do they say? We want Eisenhower. <laughs> Professor, maybe there's something in your childhood that might help us. Well, I do have a confession to make. When I was born, I was left on a doorstep, and I stayed on that doorstep for 39 years. How come? I was too bashful to ring the bell. Baloney, you mean to tell us you were left on a doorstep? Yes, I was an unwanted child. You see, my mother wanted a boy. Well, she got one. She knows that, doesn't she? Of course not. I'm no squealer. <laughs> Colonna, when you get in a high wind, don't those holes in your head whistle? <laughs> George, this psychology stuff isn't going to work. Better give him the pressure. All right, Bob. I hate to do it, but I guess I'll have to get rough. And when I get through with this guy, he'll be eating out of my hand. I beg to differ. You'll be eating out of my hand. Come on outside. Okay. Gee, I'd better see what happened. Colonna, what happened? Can't talk to you now, Hope. I'm feeding Mr. Rath. <laughs> <laughs>
the memory of the Korean gift lift that'll go to cheer those who need it so. Let's send a gift and give a lift to every G.I. Joe. And we thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've bumped into our show now and then over the past few years, you've caught us getting a bit serious along about sign-off time. And with Thanksgiving closer than your next breath, we can't help getting serious about our blessings. Because, brother, when it comes to blessings, America's like the Thanksgiving table. It's loaded. When we say grace this Thursday, we'll, of course, thank God from whom all blessings flow. But what about the kids in Korea who will spend Thanksgiving under fire? And there's other Americans who will spend Thanksgiving under those little white crosses. Let's stretch the grace a little and thank them, too. Yes, no matter how good that turkey looks, we don't dare take a slice until our hearts bow down to those kids. That's it for tonight, folks. I want to thank Tony Arden, George Raft, Jerry Colonna for a fine show. Remember what we tell you about Chesterfields. They give you something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. Next time you buy cigarettes, sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today! Be sure to listen to the Bob Hope Show next week. Chesterfield has brought you the Bob Hope Show, written by Larry Gilbart, Larry Marks, and Larry Klein, and transcribed direct from Hollywood, California. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. KFI, Los Angeles. George Raft was born George Ranft, R-A-N-F-T, in 1901, in Hell's Kitchen on Manhattan Island. He was a successful dancer on Broadway in the 1920s. In his autobiography, Fred Astaire says that Raft was a lightning fast dancer and did the fastest Charleston he ever saw. And a 1926 edition of Variety said that Raft had the reputation as the best Charleston dancer in New York City. In the 1930s, Raft moved to Hollywood and began a career in movies. He hit it big with his role as the nickel-flipping gangster Gino Rinaldo in the 1932 movie Scarface. He starred in dozens of movies through the 30s, 40s, and 50s, even into the 60s and 70s, mostly as a gangster. Two of his later roles are pretty well known. The 1959 role as Spats Columbo, the Chicago mobster in Some Like It Hot, alongside Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon. That's a classic movie. And also then, a year later, in 1960, he was the casino owner, Jack Strager, in Ocean's Eleven, which starred The Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. George Raft died in 1980. He was 79. Tony Arden was born Antoinette Ardizone in 1924. She was a singer with some of the big bands in the 1940s, and in the 1950s, she had a few moderately successful songs, but never truly hit the big time. Tony Arden died in 2012. She was 88. Please send your questions and comments to host at ClassicComedyOTR.com. 
Come back next Wednesday for another episode of The Bob Hope Show and check in on Friday for the next installment of The Life of Riley. Until we meet again, in the words of Shonda Rhimes, work doesn't work without play.